0: It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss.
1: No more shame, no more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came
0: to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast.
1: Okay, hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are so lucky to be joined by Jessica Hepburn. Thanks so much for coming along, Jessica. How are Um, you?
2: I'm very good thank you for having me on your podcast oh, looking very pretty
0: in pink Is
2: it do, you know do you know well this is my suit of the moment um but also I was looking at your website the other day and you're uh, it's just so colorful and I really love that so I thought it was I've also got my mug of tea with um uh, uh, with the uh, stripy colors just for you two
1: Oh, oh we did That was a, yeah conscious decision when we did all our branding is that everything we felt in the baby loss arena so lilac and feathers right. there's always feathers <laughs> always sort of lilac and muted and we were like right no we want to represent the real women the yeah. women who are striving to get back to that colorful life yeah. you know want to be in that in that realm of you're so sorry and that stuff you know Yeah so I'm wearing fuchsia pink
2: for that purpose.
1: (laughs) Fuchsia that's it. it, Yeah yeah and it looks great on you and you've got matching lipstick as well. I have yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica let's start why don't you tell us um tell us a little bit about yourself and uh and why you're here.
2: Yeah well um I am a, a Well, I'm 53 next week, actually. Um, It's quite a really... It feels a terrible thing to start with saying I'm 53, and it's not something I particularly like confessing. But it is a really sort of relevant month for me because because it's like 20 years since I first started trying to conceive. Well, actually just under 20 years um, because I was um, 34 when I um, started trying to conceive. Um, and it's 10 years um, since I came out about my infertility and my baby loss journey Um, I came out um, in of all things Grazia magazine like having like not told anyone for a decade about my sort of struggle to conceive and everything that I'd been through um I then sort of told the world and um I came out in Grazia and then a few months later my first book came out um
1: that's uh, we- very much a go high or go home type actually. right yeah 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 and I do always say
2: like I'm not advocating that people should do what I've done because I am extreme and we might come on to talk about some of those. <laughs> but like uh yeah definitely uh that is absolutely right i went high i went high mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so so that's so uh, yeah and i've come i've come here today and thank you so much for inviting you so that was like my first book came out 10 years ago it was called the pursuit of motherhood it was about my journey through 11 rounds of unsuccessful ivf multiple miscarriages ectopic pregnancy um which you know 11 rounds that's another extreme end of the spectrum and then um I and and the, and then I sort of went on um a series of sort of uh, fertility and other adventures which led to a, a second book and now I've got a third book which is the final part in a trilogy um coming out in um March so I reached out to you
0: to see if we could chat about that
1: yeah that's brilliant and so what was it so- we're really
0: excited to chat to you about the book because um oh, oh sorry so a, a delay it's
1: a bit of a bit of a delay. I was just
0: gonna say that we um we have this online membership platform and on a Friday Bex we usually do a shout out for songs for um for music um to create a playlist for the week To just sort of, you know, music is so healing to give everyone a little bit of of energy back, something to listen to while they're going for a walk or doing the washing up. Um, And your most recent book is all about how... about the healing powers of music, right? Oh,
2: absolutely! I'm so glad you said that, Laura. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I call it an adventure story with
2: a difference mm-hmm. because it's a, um, essentially the book is um, about my journey to climb to the top of the world, um, but fueled by the music and wisdom of my favorite radio program turned podcast called Desert Island Discs, um, uh, and which is like one of the UK's longest. For those people who don't know it, and where have you been if you don't the know? The youngsters, it? <laughs> um, yeah, the youngsters amongst us because it's the longest running um one of the longest running radio programs in the uk it's been around for 80 years and basically anyone who is anyone has been on it um and i've always loved it and um i basically made the decision that i was going to listen to every single episode and i did love me mu- i've always loved music i mean like part of the crazy thing about all these challenges that i've done um you know coming out of fertility treatment i swam the english channel then i ran the london Marathon um now I've climbed Everest and I'm the first and only woman currently who's done all those three things and part of the um but I but part of the crazy thing about that is that I wasn't the like sporty one in school this has just come out of a lot of sadness um but I was the arty one but I wasn't massively into music um and it just yeah absolutely this adventure um basically introduced me to so much music and the, the the creation of playlists which is a massive part of the book um is something that has brought me so much redemption exactly to use your word Laura
0: mm. amazing yeah that's that's pretty amazing to be the only woman to ever have done all of those things i know
2: i know i can't i really can't believe i really can't believe that it um you know that i have and you know, like my my fertility story and my baby loss story doesn't end with them with a the sort of conventional happy ending, you know, we weren't able to conceive. Um, then my relationship with my partner broke down. Um, but actually as a result of that, I have gone on to do these other things. And whilst I would, you know, like I really would be the first to say that I wish that I did have the family that I dreamed of and I wanted. Um, I also wouldn't change these other adventures that I've been on for Mm -hmm. anything. Um, And yeah, they've resulted in me achieving this like, crazy world record, which means nothing and everything, you know, as world records do. Same thing about having families, right? You know, like one of the things that, um, and having, you know, like one of the things that I wrote about in my first book, The Pursuit of Motherhood, and I revisit in this third book, is that, you know, like one of the things that has helped me reach acceptance is realising that I'm so tiny in the universe, right? I'm just a speck. And in a 100 years' time and 200 years' time, it's not going to matter whether I had a baby or not, you know, all that matters is that I've made the most of the life that I can have. Um, And that's not to say that I don't think family is important, because family is incredibly important. But what I've had to do in the absence of being able to create my own family is create other alternative sorts of families which I absolutely have done and you know my fertility family like is you know all the people that I've met through through that world is a massive one and but then also like my channel family and my Chumalungma family because um Chumalungma is Everest's original Tibetan Sherpa name which is what I call her um you know they've become really important to me too.
0: Mm, I think it's really powerful for people who are coming to the end of their fertility journey to hear stories like yours, because it can often feel like they are, you know, they've failed and that they they will never be fulfilled in life. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be really special for them to to hear about what you've been doing, what you've been going through. Yeah, can we?
2: can I just come back to you on that word failed actually because I think it's really you know it's a really potent and important word to consider and you know I know how it's you know if if you do and I'm sure you do have listeners who feel that they're reaching the end of their fertility journey and it isn't going to result in that that longed for child in the way that they imagined I I, you know like I feel it's so important not to think of it as failure you know Mm. um, and, and and one of the the reasons what like if I can use a sort of an analogy or a metaphor for that like I in the in the mountaineering world you know um there there's a move toward when you don't manage to climb a mountain summit a mountain and it took me three attempts to summit Mount Everest you know it wasn't it wasn't it just like my fertility journey it wasn't an easy journey to the top of the world. Um, and, and actually my third Attempt, which resulted in a successful summit was very very challenging and in some respects it was sort of more like a a failure than my my unsuccessful attempts at climbing the mountain and it really made me really explore that world failure a lot and I think it's really important you know to think we are working like when we're trying for a baby we are working and when you're trying to climb a mountain you are working towards a destination and I think journeys and destinations are both equally important but the destination isn't always what you imagine it's going to be even if that destination isn't the you know like the destination that you ideally wanted but there is always something to find there's always gold in, in whatever destination. I, I don't know if I'm being clear, but I just feel it's so important not to use the word failure and to, to actually realize that that's an it's, that's a negative word, but even in a negative outcome or even in a successful outcome, there can be things that are painful and difficult.
1: Yeah. I think I can really identify with that Jessica. Cause I ran the London marathon and, um, I would say that lots of my training runs were a much more successful experience than the marathon itself. Yeah. yeah and actually, yeah. when I finished the marathon, I felt broken. I felt ill. I felt, you know, I felt all these feet. I felt completely, I felt like it was completely anticlimactic. I didn't want any photos. I yeah. just, I felt like shit. Yeah. And actually, during my training runs, when I was doing well, I felt powerful. I felt energy. I felt, you know, I felt like part of the world, part of the nature that was around me, because I did I live in the countryside and did quite a lot around there. And I was up on the downs looking at the, you know, the sea on one side and the landscape on the other. And I felt so alive. But there was something about the marathon itself that I i completely understand. Yes, I did the distance, but no, I didn't I didn't feel as fulfilled by it that I did during that process of learning how my body worked, learning what what it was capable of, learning the you know, the landscape and the and the beauty of, of my surroundings was far more fulfilling than pounding the pavements in the middle of London for me. Yeah. It's really interesting that you said so, that. And,
2: and what I would say in return to that, and it's really interesting that you said that because I have a similar experience in this book, which is that I run the lab. The, the book starts with me running the London Marathon and I'm really, really disappointed in it and I didn't um you know I'd set myself a time that I wanted to run it in and I didn't achieve the time and I was really disappointed and you know I already knew that I could do endurance because I'd swum the channel and i had been through 11 rounds of IVF um but like what I would say so so learning that actually sometimes the sort of final thing doesn't give you what you're looking for but also learning that in that what there's something also to learn so like what did you so I would ask you like therefore when you realised that about the marathon itself what did that sort of I don't know what was the learning for you in that
1: well for me say? I think I think it, I let myself off the hook I wasn't so I wasn't so um driven by something specific I was like actually it's more about the journey than the thing itself yeah that's what it was for me and similarly when we did um I did the three peak challenge and we had to turn back just like 100 yards away from the third peak because of the weather and for a long time I was like I didn't fucking do it I didn't do yeah. it I Didn't yeah. do it. and then I was like I've met incredible people I've tested my body to the limits I have done stuff in the dark I've got to know things about myself that I wouldn't have known so actually as a whole it was incredibly successful yeah you know moment like part of my journey in my life
2: yeah and I love that and actually that's why I now describe my IVF journey my fertility journey as my first adventure like Mm -hmm. you know the big thing about the big thing about this third book is and the work that I'm doing now is around sort of the power of adventure to change your life for the better particularly when you've been through like dark and difficult times um and so uh, absolutely I now think of my fertility and IVF journey as an adventure and it didn't have the outcome that I wanted like your marathon didn't have the outcome you wanted or the three peaks you didn't get to the final summit, and I didn't get the baby but I really value the journey I went on it gave me so many things it's given me this you know like I'm writing the acknowledgements um, for my book at the moment which is about to go to sort of final print and like for the first time in all my books I've like basically name check everyone in my what I consider to my be my fertility family and there are like about a hundred people you know like who are, have been so important in this journey of mine and also and you know do feel like family to me now and also I would have never done these other things if I hadn't gone through that fertility journey if I hadn't experienced those losses I would never have gone on to have these other adventures in my life so Mm. um so yeah I love I love what you've just said
1: so if we can can we rewind back to back to 20 years ago when you first you you know you went high rather than going home yeah what led to that because it's a huge after having kept it quiet for a long time as well what yeah. Happened?
2: So, so yeah, so d- my fertility, so I started trying to conceive 20 years ago, roundabout, and, um, and, you know, the, 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 the very brief, sort of like story is that like my partner like so many people we threw away the contraception we thought we we're going to get pregnant immediately we didn't we tried for a year because that's what you were told to do at the time and to some extent still are and we still hadn't got pregnant then we went to our first fertility clinic we're diagnosed with unexplained infertility And then that was the start of this decade long journey which resulted in 11 rounds of IVF, multiple miscarriages, and also an ectopic pregnancy that was only discovered at three months and it was in my stomach. And so it was a very, very um, serious the um, situation. Um, And so, and all that time that I was going through that, like I, I basically considered that, my secret life because publicly I had a very successful life which is that I ran a big theatre in London called the Lyric Hammersmith and you know like sometimes when I give talks I like I show these photos of me alongside famous directors and actors smiling for the camera and then I say and behind those smiles I was living this secret dark desperate life trying to become a mother and I didn't tell, and you know, I think this is still common, and because um, so much has changed about the world of fertility since mm. I was on my journey and since my first book came out for the better. But I, I think there is still some element of culture of sort of secrecy, and I, I around it, and I, I totally get it. And I never, I don't think that people need to tell everybody, need to tell the world, need to tell all their friends, need to tell all their colleagues. That is a private decision. Um, But my secrecy, I know, came out of of a huge amount of shame. Mm -hmm. And that isn't a good thing. Yeah, so it came out of shame that my body couldn't do what everyone else felt so, like, seemed to be able to do so easily. You know, it came out of shame because, like, to some extent I I was very young when I became a chief executive of a big organization. And I mean, I'm wearing my power suit now, but you know, it was like, um, so maybe I've always been wearing them, but you know, like I was sort of a woman in a a man's world, you know, and I, I felt that that was some sort of judgment. Maybe I wasn't like, you know, like I just wasn't female enough, you know? And then, and then also, you know, my, uh, I like, I also, my partner and I had got together in like, essentially we'd both been in other relationships when we got together um and although we didn't have like some torrid affair like I felt that somehow it was some sort of retribution you know like all these sort of feelings of shame Mm -hmm. you know um and I didn't and I didn't want to be the like Out of gossip you know because I was the boss I didn't want everyone going you know like oh good well she's a terrible boss and she can't have children we're so delighted you know like and I just for all these reasons I um just was secret for such a long time Mm. and then and then basically a couple of things changed I just started I started writing um about what I was going through. I mean, I'd never written creatively. Um I'd obviously written reports for work, but um yeah, I'd never written anything creatively. I started writing the book that I wanted to read that I couldn't find at the time. Um and I um and I you know, and I really genuinely thought when I started writing it I was going to be writing my way to a happy ending. Um and, uh, and then, and then I'd written the book. And, you know, I was going to publish it under a pseudonym, initially. Uh, and then the woman that was editing it said to me, she did this Google, so I always say this, and it always gets a sort of laugh when I do talks, you know, she did this Google search and found that there was this Jessica Hepburn at defroided Lloyds. Oh no, I was going to, sorry, I was going to call myself Jessica Harper, which is my grandmother's maiden name. Um, and then my editor did this Google search and found there was this Jessica Harper who defrauded um, Lloyd's Bank of a million pounds. So it wasn't worth the mix up. So <laughs> I decided to actually come out as me. And also I knew that there was some stuff that I really wanted to change about the fertility world. Yeah. Um, that I could only really do that if I was prepared to come out as me. So like this, com- so basically from having been really silent and secretive and full of shame for 10 years, I then went large, you know, and <laughs> um, uh, and it changed everything. It changed it changed everything for me. Um, and you know, like one of the, you know, like it changed everything because it then led to everything that has happened and subsequently. You know, these adventures and setting up a festival called Fertility Fest, which was the world's first arts festival dedicated to fertility, that ended up at the Barbican and um, but but it also totally healed so much about how I felt, you know. Like, I realised that my infertility and baby loss was part of me, but it was only a small part of me, you know. It wasn't all of me. Um, and I also realised that it also just enabled the conversations to happen with friends and family that I might have lost otherwise, you know. Mm. Because I ostracize myself from them I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't bear the baby showers I couldn't bear the christenings I couldn't bear the birthday parties I couldn't bear the social media, the Facebook scans and you know um but I also couldn't tell them what I was going through you mm-hmm. know And you know one of the things that I wrote about in my first book that I've named it in my third book is this feeling this is this word called melanjoy which I've invented because there isn't a word for in the English language for feeling happy for someone and sad for yourself at the same time, which like is that. a really real feeling. So mm-hmm. when someone tells you that they're pregnant or that they've had, a, you know, like their child has been born and you're dealing with infertility or baby loss, um, you feel happy for them, but you also feel sad for yourself. And there is no way to describe that. But if we had a word, and 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 what my book and coming out did is that I then everyone knew, you know. And I and now, um, people say to me, Jessica, you're going to feel melon joy. You're going to feel some melon joy. Or I say to people, just telling you, I'm feeling melon joy right now. And it's like <laughs> it just, it just makes. It's about finding a language, you know. Anyway, yeah. I love right, that.
1: So. I love melon joy. We'll have yeah. to do. Can we share that for you? Oh,
2: I'd love that. Yeah, I'd love that. Melon joy. I know it's a bit obvious. It's a fusion of melancholy and joy, you know, but.
1: Yeah, but it could also mean that you just love boobs.
0: Yeah, or melons. (laughs) My
1: melons bring me joy.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. So, the warriorship, we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex?
1: And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's
0: packed full of stuff. We just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more
1: and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is Thriving. And all you have to do is head to the link in our bio
0: or visit our website and you can be a part of this too.
1: We love to see you there. (laughs) Oh, that's so like I absolutely love everything you kind of said and everything you stand for. And even just Mm. the way that you talk about your life is so clearly full of joy. Joy joy, not even melon joy, just that just that. that feeling that, you know, it is about the journey and it is that doesn't take away from any of the difficulty that anyone's going through. But, you know, fulfillment in life is I do believe it's like at some point it's a decision that you have to to almost make is, is oh, 100%
2: what you,
1: what, what you do with your life. And I know that it's, it's But I'm so lucky to have children and and I don't take any of that for granted. But that's not to say that I haven't got my own difficulties that is and difficulties are can be really painful. But I've really tried, especially over the last year, I've also split up with my partner and just that feeling of like, fuck, it's hard and it's shit. And, you know, some days it's a struggle. But actually, I've gone out and done so much more in the last year of adventure I've decided that I want my life to be a life I look back on and go actually if someone told me if someone told me anytime you've only got a year to live I want to already be living that life I want nothing to change in my life because
2: oh, I'm there i doing it you you are speaking my philosophy I mean that is my I mean it it took a while to come to that but like first of all like I think everyone has sad stuff in your life in their lives everyone I think it, it's what it means to be human And my sad thing is that I couldn't have a baby with the man that I loved, and then we split up. Then I lost that man, the love of my life. You know that those because also like you know some of us have more than one sad thing, and I feel like, um, and I just think it's our job in life to like turn that um sad thing into something good for ourselves and other people. And, you know, when I talked about Everest earlier about like how my successful, um, you know, summit was actually really hard, you know, like I nearly lost my life because I I broke my leg in the death zone coming down from the summit. And and, yeah. The death zone. Yeah. Yeah. Broke your Uh, leg
1: um, in the death zone. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. I like I had my own. So uh, for those people who don't talk about going high or
1: going home. (laughs) Yes, I know.
2: You know, like um I mean like Everyone knows Everest. She's the most famous mountain in the world, but maybe people don't know that. So she's 8,848 metres high. And, and there are 14 mountains in the world that are over 8,000 metres, and she's the highest of them. And any uh, any height over 8,000 metres is called the death zone. And basically there isn't enough oxygen to survive, and it's too high for helicopter rescue. And, and once I got to the top of the mountain and I, and I was um, descending, still in the death zone on the triangular face, which is above the cu- final ca- um, cam, I'd been climbing for 24 hours at that point. I mean, been on the mountain for six days, trying to climb her for six days. And, yeah, I was involved in a freak accident and I got hit by an, a free-falling oxygen bottle, which knocked me over and broke my leg. And um, But, like, yeah, and obviously like I write about that in the in the book and you know and it just goes to show that we all have our like hardships and heartache and difficult stuff that we have to deal with in life and I nearly died but like that is also why I try and live like I'm gonna die exactly as you say Mm. I am so motivated by if I die tomorrow Have I, have, despite all the things that I didn't have in my life, have I lived the best life that I can live? Um, And, and I do, and I do, and that's not to say that I am feeling fuchsia pink every single day because I'm not, you know, like I still struggle. I still struggle with, you know, even like 10 years on from my last miscarriage and, um, you know seven years on from the separation of my partner I still struggle um but I also try and live with joy every day and like one of the things and I know this about my book is that I have this section and going back to what you said Laura about playlists you know I have this section in this book where I start creating a playlist for Molly, who is the sort of child I never had. My imagined, like, go what, what Peter and I would, was our imagined child. And I I start writing this playlist for her. And I know it sounds weird on one level, you know, like, you know, because and I'm always thinking there's enough stereo, I write about this in the book, you know, like there's probably enough stereotypes about infertility and insanity, but it brought me so much joy thinking like now what songs would I want her who would I want her to hear and what like what does she need for her musical education, you know? Yeah. And I I yeah I just think whatever your sad thing is, like try and turn it into joy for yourself mm. and other people. And that is what I've tried to do.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes as well we talk about it a bit is is how you can find joy from the research. It's not necessary, and I suppose this is what we're talking about about you know for me, me find finding my training runs more fulfilling than the run itself you know it's it's all that like sometimes it's about the research and it's about looking up things and widening your horizons and and all of this stuff that you don't realize is a thing in itself like um, research yeah. something
0: to look forward to yeah but like, rather than actually actually doing it
1: and reading round things and if yeah. you want to do something like Further education, for example, if you're looking at doing something and then reading around all the possibilities of what you could do and being inspired by... Is that why I always look on right move? do you think? <laughs> hey, i never going to move,
0: but I always look on there. What could I get?
1: Yeah, what could I get for five million? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm.
2: it's about having dreams, isn't it? Mm. And, um, you know, one of the thing. One of the things that's really hard about infertility and baby loss is that your that dream that you've always had. It feels like it's been taken away from you, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think and I think you've both written about this, that, you know, also one of the really hard things is you don't know where it's going to end. Right. You don't know if. That I think that's the really hardest thing about living through an infertility journey is that you you live feel like you're living your life in limbo, you know. And and for me, like I lost a decade of my life to Project Baby. And I felt like I was never going to be happy if I couldn't have my own child. But um, and that was my dream. But what it's worth always remembering is that there are other dreams to be had there are mm-hmm. other dreams and, and actually exactly as you say there's fun to be had and exploring what those dreams are even if you don't pursue them even if you don't buy that new house or you don't do that university degree or whatever you know like follow follow you you know I was reading about um I was watching a documentary about Joseph Campbell yesterday who's like the amazing guy who um who did all the philosophy around the hero's journey which is you know because I I talk a lot about adventure now and about how you know and 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 really fertility struggles are just like the hero's journey you know you go into you go into battle and then you come out changed at the other end what whatever that looks like and he also had this amazing saying which is follow your bliss you know you should always follow your bliss in life um and and I know when you're in the Darkest times of your fertility journey, you don't feel like you there is another dream, or there is any bliss, or there is any joy. But I absolutely promise you that there is. There is. Mm-hmm. And you have to do the work to find it. But if you do the work when you're ready, it's there waiting.
1: It is. There's this sorry, there's this uh, quote that I wrote a while ago about how we can't change the way we feel, but what we can do is work on ourselves and the way we feel will change. And I yeah. think that's prevalent there because we will feel the grief, you know, no matter what your life experience is, no matter what you're struggling with right now, whether it's baby loss, whether it's addiction, whether it's, you know, a a, a diagnosis of, of something um, that you weren't expecting it, whatever your problem is, you can't change the way you feel initially in those dark moments but what but the the light that will come off the back of moving forward in your journey is going to outshine anything that you might have gone through without those challenges I believe
2: yeah
1: is when you when you get what was the analogy on the biscuit Oh, the
2: biscuit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was sent an amazing biscuit when I got down from the mountain um, by the, Caroline Stafford, who runs the, Kitch ben, the Kitch Hen, um Hen bis, Biscuit Bakery. And it's tell the stories of the mountains you've climbed because they might become a page in someone else's survival guide. Mm. And it's um, a, a quote by an amazing American musician and artist called Morgan Harper Nichols, Um and I absolutely love it. Yeah. is that That's what you are referring to, was it? That's what I was
1: referring to on the biscuit that you sent me. Um, Jessica sent Laura and I biscuits with those that quote on. And it just, it reached me on a day where I, re- and as these things often do, it reached me on a day that I was feeling so low in the kind of aftermath of separation and, and uncertainty. And as you say, you know, part of this whole thing is the uncertainty that will this happen for me? And if it doesn't, what next? What then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much of... So much of the, the control that I've been able to regain in my life is literally through living through the day, is through not looking into the future, It's through not... You know, I heard recently that looking into the past is depression, looking into the future is anxiety. And I really sort of identify with that because yeah. the, the time when I'm happiest is when I'm literally grounded here going, right, what is my next right move? What's the next right decision? What can yeah. I do today that's going to bring me a little bit of joy that will be a, a crumb of, of joy that I can gather up and and keep in my back pocket until I've got enough to make a biscuit you know how can I do that today and when you carry on doing that and it becomes a practice in your life it does it does get easier no matter your experience
2: oh a hundred percent and a big turning point for me um as well as sort of writing you know like making sense of my story through my books I mean I've definitely done that I've I've crafted my story but also um the writing practice, uh, like establishing a gratitude writing practice, which I call my blessings book, um, which I wrote about in my first book. And I started after my ectopic pregnancy, just finding a, a blessing in each day. And I've done it for like nearly 15 years now. And it's like a muscle, you know, like th- thinking of the things that we're grateful for or bring us joy in each day. And also remembering. I watched this brilliant talk the other day by a woman who's written a book about um, the subject of joy. Um, And she said this thing, like, which I really got, which is even if you're having a bad day, or even if you're in one of the periods of your life, which is hard and difficult, that's not to say that you can't find moments of joy. You know, Mm. and it might just be, and she used this brilliant example, like looking at the orange of a traffic cone, you know, because that's such an amazing, it's like wearing this, you know, this pink and talking about your website and the beautiful colors on your website. Or sometimes you just look out, like now I'm looking out the window, it's an autumn day and the sun is like really, the sky is really blue. uh, But the, the, um, the, you know, the leaves are like, Really bright yellow because it's autumn. Just looking yeah. at that in that moment and thinking, that's something beautiful to enjoy, even if I'm
0: not having a good day. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. It's a good habit to get into. I'm impressed that you've been doing it for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> every single day. Yeah. Yes. Every single day. Hello. You could have styled that out, Bex. We didn't say that you'd gone,
1: <laughs> didn't you?
0: <laughs> so for those who are listening, um, has run out of battery on her laptop so she's for a moment but she's back (laughs)
1: Um, I think also Jessica if you've been doing that for 15 years it must be a wonderful thing to read through
0: oh yeah yeah.
2: you know I um, am so many wonderful things about it so first of all you know this is the thing that I'd like I get in a way this is sort of responding to what you're saying about the researching because like it's not just the writing and all that's given me it's each year choosing the book that it's going to go in my oh, book yeah. my books are always like small um it's uh, and ha- obviously I uh, handwrite in them I always like I sort of get led I get, go on a bit of an adventure to decide which book it's going to be for this year um and I'm sort of very much now drawn by color you know like the colors that like um and you, if you look at like my a lot, I've t- historically not been brilliant on social media unlike you girls <laughs> um but I'm trying to be better um and like if you look at my um like Instagram page you know it's really bright colors because that like that fills me with joy so I choose a notebook that is um that that, that makes my heart sing so that mm. every morning when I'm writing in it just the look of the book Um, and then yeah at the end of the year I read through the whole year I go away with more like with my book or books actually I've done I've had two this year um, but the same colors Um, and then I go away and I read through everything and then I write a short list of like you know the because I'm a big big I mean as you'll know if you've read any of my books and it comes to the absolute four in this third book um you know I'm a massive list lover so then I'll write a list of like all the good things that have happened in that year um and um you know like because there's done one every single day so there's only three there's more than 300 and what how many I'm always forgetting how many days there are on the year 365 right yeah. <laughs> um and uh and so there's 365 good things but also then I might have a short list of the top 50 you know like and <laughs> all this just it, it just makes me feel like i am living my best life you know yeah. and exactly what you said Bex i'm living like if i were to be run over the, by the proverbial bus tomorrow the saddest thing in my life was that i didn't have molly but i also lived
1: my fullest
2: life i did mm.
1: that is wonderful That's so it's so wonderful. I think there is. So when you have I heard this recently. So recently I packed my bags and went to Memphis and paddleboarded down the Mississippi. And I did it with um, an amazing guy called Dave Cornfield, and he runs a movement called Say Yes More. And he runs this uh, festival every year in June called the Yestival. And it's just about saying yes to more adventure. It's so up your street. Oh, God. And I've got a he, said, time. he said, if you're stuck between two decisions, make the decision that will make a better story. And I just, I, you know, I love that. And I think we, we get so bogged down. Like, I've got no money. And it's panicky. It's a panicky situation. Yet the other day I went to a garden centre and spent £75 on a tree just because this tree is called, you should look this up, if you're listening, look it up. It's called a liquid amber tree and it's American gum tree. And at this time of year, my dad's got one, a very established one in his, in his. Um, he lives on a farm. And every year I go and I look at this tree and it brings me so much joy. And I just thought, actually, I'm, I'm I'm gonna ask my landlord, haven't done that yet, should have done that first, but I'm gonna plant this tree outside my kitchen window. So every time I look at it, the color, will bring I know it will bring me joy and it will bring me memories of that day that I made that decision to buy that tree because it's a joyous thing to do just for me just for me no one else is going to benefit from that and I think that is so important to have that to have that self-awareness that you know what's going to bring you joy It's something that you said earlier it's just that you know your personal just knowing what's gonna what's gonna help your heart make your heart sing yeah. Is so incredibly beneficial for all of our mental health. Uh,
2: yeah. Absolutely. And I know it's like a really like wanky thing to say. I hope it's okay to say wanky on your love wanky. <laughs> yeah. Um but like it's about <laughs> self-love as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I've got um a, you know, like as you know for in my book, like each section is um is basically a type of song, right? So I have this section called Love Songs, apart from in it, I can't find a love song for me because the love of my life is left right so that's the sort of basically moral moral of that section until I um until I realized like like I love Nina Simone she's my favorite female singer um and if I'm if I'm ever on Desert Island Iss, which obviously is my dream one day. <laughs> um, uh, I will be taking a Nina Simone song, uh, I just need to choose which one. But you know, like her, um, her song, is, you know, is full of um self love. Um, and a, a fe- God, I'm, I fee. I'm now can't quite remember what the name of the song is, which is why I'm stumbling. Um, but anyway, a feeling free or um, I think that's. Feeling good, feeling good, feeling good, thank you. One of my favourites. And it's, yeah, and it's, yeah, sorry, absolutely, Feeling Good is the name of the song. And it's a song about self-love, essentially. Um, And I just like, and I write in the book, you know, like, and there isn't enough self-love around. And I've really come to that point that you do, even though it's wanky, you know, this sort of sense of self-love and it feels like sort of wrong in some way, loving ourselves, you know, because we, 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 you know, so much of life is about finding someone to love us or loving other people, um, including loving our children, right? But actually, we've got to love. We've got to love ourselves. We've got to love mm. ourselves, um, and and we're never going to stop loving ourselves because we're with ourselves every single day. You know, <laughs> I, whole think,
1: I think if we can make the love of our lives ourselves, like we'll all be. So much more patient with ourselves, so much kinder to ourselves. And if you look at the five la- love languages, this has just come off the top of my head, so you know it might be stupid. But um if you look at the five languages and turn them in towards yourself, like we can practice words of affirmation, we can uh, act, you know, act out uh, acts of service to to ourselves. You know, like like taking the afternoon off and going and sitting in a park and reading a book. You know, that's an an act of service for yourself. And I think I think it's so. I think it's so valuable and so important having sort of newly become single myself. So one of my friends sent me a book and it's a an essays on being single. It's called unattached and it's just the most beautiful book because it is essentially is all about learning to love yourself, learning to make yourself the love of your life and learning to treat yourself with kindness. Cause I think we just don't live in a society where that's accepted. And as you say, like it sounds a bit wanky, but it, I think it sounds wanky because we're led to believe it's wanky. We we live in this society where actually arrogance is kind of the norm. And therefore, you know, it's felt any kind of self-love is more arrogant than, than, you know, than, than fulfilling and kind. And I think that's where we're falling down is that old adage, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. I think it's so much more powerful than, than, than what we give it credit for. We can't, we can't tend to anyone else before we've tended to ourselves whether that's a relationship or your children or your work or whatever we have to have something to be able to give something away yeah and, yeah i think we can all learn from that a lot and it's, it's not, not arrogant that. and it's not selfish no no it's not wanky it's not well it's a bit wanky but <laughs> i just like the word wanky so we'll, yeah me too with we'll that. keep we'll keep it up.
0: So everyone should go away from listening to this podcast and um practice think a about bit of self-love. Self-love,
1: yeah. And that might well be literally a bit wanky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh oh guess, Jessica. That, that, it's just been amazing
2: chatting to you thank you girls for having me i really appreciate it i really do and like i'm so impressed with all the amazing work you've done for this community i really thank you yeah it's just amazing
1: well we'd love to you know we'd love to chat about how we can sort of collaborate further because i just think that everything about you just is is so beautiful you know and yeah Thank no you. it is it's been wonderful to chat to you and I think that this episode will be so helpful for so many definitely and um we will be
0: in touch we need to we need to do some more work together for sure oh I got love a few that. few ideas I will oh, get in touch to that.
1: thank you okay. ladies. all right huge good luck with the book
2: thank you
1: and we'll chat with you soon look after yourself thank you so much bye 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 bye
2: bye Are we coming off now or are you Are we saying are we saying we're saying goodbye? Goodbye. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye ladies.
1: Bye! Bye. Bye.